This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by Caviar and by Manscaped. This has been a very exciting week for TV weathermen. And one of the worst weeks ever for people living in the Pacific Northwest. I've seen horror stories on my uh, friends up there on Instagram. It's just a nightmare, it seems. Yeah. So from Northern California up to British Columbia, temperatures just keep breaking records in what meteorologists are calling a once in a thousand years heat event, which, you know, judging by the way things are going, they might be calling it a once every couple of years event in a few years. But uh, temperatures in cities like Portland and Seattle went above 100 degrees Fahrenheit or 38 degrees Celsius. And these temperatures are mind-boggling if you've ever actually set foot anywhere in the Pacific Northwest, where summer usually feels like how spring feels most other places. These are just not hot parts of the world. A lot of uh, these, like Portland, specifically in Seattle, and even San Francisco, like places on the coast, have been described by people as like, the coldest winter I ever felt was summer in Portland. Well, that or... was the Mark Twain quote about San Francisco. San Francisco. But yeah, San Francisco is not... I was there... I was in San Francisco during a heat wave like five, six years ago, staying in an Airbnb. Yeah. And it got to like 100, I think. Maybe even lower than that. It was still fucking miserable because the place I was staying at was not built for the heat. It did not have air conditioning. All, it was all, awful. Pretty much all of the cities on the coast are not built for this heat. And uh, a lot of the buildings, very old and uh, hard to retrofit. And no. specifically... Up there in the northwest, they just have, they haven't planned for it. They're used to just clouds being everywhere. They're protected yeah. by these clouds. It, who, how could the clouds ever just disappear? It's like when you look at Texas, you're like, all right, the winter shit, it's not really your fault. Mm-hmm. That was kind of a freak thing. Summers you're prepared for. You can't make fun of the Pacific Northwest right now. They no. had no idea. No, they're not built for it. Except for the years and years of uh, anticipation of climate change actually happening and the temperatures rising and yeah. all of that. But look, yeah. so let's get to what's causing this. Climate change, obviously, yes. uh, is what's causing extreme weather events and record-breaking temperatures to occur on a regular basis year-round. But the specific weather phenomenon affecting the Pacific Northwest is what's known as a heat dome. So... What the hell is the that? PNW is getting some dome right now. Here's uh, the Washington Post explaining what the hell a heat dome is. When the summer sun warms air above the ground or ocean, that air can then rush up into the atmosphere to form a mountain or dome of slow-moving hot air under pressure that blocks new weather systems from moving in. Basically, it's a mass of warm air that's stuck over a certain area. Heat domes can actually force the jet stream, bands of strong wind that generally blow from west to east, to flow around it. In the case of the heat dome in the U.S. Northwest, that means the jet stream will flow north, causing it to slow down. Yeah, so basically a heat dome is a, it's a dead zone. It has no clouds or wind. The hot air just sort of lingers there and gets hotter and hotter because the sun's just beating down on it the whole Mm -hmm. time. Uh, This week's heat dome was what's known as an omega block because it's shaped like the Greek letter omega uh, with the jet stream it hits the West Coast, and then it takes a big old detour north all the way to Alaska. It goes around California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, Alberta, Idaho, and Nevada before finally coming back down to the Southwest and resuming its typical path eastward. I'd rather have the cicadas at this point. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> also, the, the Greek alphabet, not doing well right now. Yeah. We've got the Delta variant, the fucking Omega heat wave. Yeah. The... Uh, Sucks to be Greek right now. No, it, I mean, it sucks to be us dealing with the stupid Greek yeah, alphabet. That's true. Anyway, yeah, the result of that omega-shaped jet stream uh, was some of the craziest temperatures seen in places throughout the inside of that dome and around it. Uh, all-time records, all-time records were broken, and in several cases broken again 
not long after breaking them the first time. Yeah. Canada, the entire nation of Canada, had its highest ever recorded temperature in the town of Lytton in British Columbia, where temperatures reached 121 degrees Fahrenheit, or 49.5 degrees Celsius. It's, 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 it's fucking absurd. insane. Absurd. British Columbia? Yeah, you would assume, like, Alberta or something, because that's, like, the Midwest of, yeah. uh, of Canada. The Great Plains. Like, nowhere near the coast, but that's what's insane about this right now. It, it, it sucks. Here's NPR on Monday. Intense. Prolonged. Record-breaking. Unprecedented. Abnormal. Dangerous. That's how the National Weather Service described the historic heat wave hitting the Pacific Northwest, pushing daytime temperatures into the triple digits, disrupting Olympic qualifying events, and breaking all-time high temperature records in places unaccustomed to such extreme heat. Portland, Oregon reached 112 degrees Fahrenheit Sunday, breaking the all-time temperature record of 108 degrees Fahrenheit, which was set just a day earlier. In Eugene, Oregon, the U.S. track and field trials were halted Sunday afternoon, and fans were asked to evacuate the stadium due to extreme heat. The National Weather Service said it hit 110 degrees Fahrenheit in Eugene, breaking the all-time record of 108 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, for reference, like, if you're thinking of in this in Celsius, it's between 38 and 43. Like, just, it's this is lot. where all these it's are It's a hit. lot. Oregon's capital city, Salem, also recorded the highest temperature in its history on Sunday, 112 degrees Fahrenheit, breaking the old mark by 4 degrees. The temperature hit 104 degrees Fahrenheit in Seattle. The NWS said that was an all-time record for the city, better known for rain than heat, and was the first time the area recorded two consecutive triple-digit days since records began being kept in 1894. Records were being broken across the region, and the sizzling temperatures were expected to get even hotter Monday, before beginning to cool Tuesday. Oh, what a relief it is. Yeah, and it seems to be on the wane now, although, like, even still, the temp it's, it sucks. It sucks a little less, yeah. but it's still bad. Yeah, imagine getting just battered with rain and then it gets hot. Just You couldn't even breathe outside because of the humidity. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I mean, yeah, being on, like, in Seattle, you're on the Puget Sound. You're just surrounded by fucking water. Yeah. Like, it's got to... Just gross. That's the thing. Like growing up in Florida, it would it would rarely get over a hundred. At least yeah. when I was growing up. Maybe now it's different. But the humidity, but the humidity was nasty. terrible. So I can't even imagine it at like one twelve with yeah. humidity. Like I, I've been in Chicago during the summer, which gets really humid due to the Great Lakes. And I've, I've been in Chicago when it's like around a hundred, and it's terrible. Like yeah. ten degrees hotter than that, I it would be. The worst thing ever. But, uh, yeah, if, if what we just read from uh, that article isn't insane enough for you, um, those are just air temperatures. The ground temperatures, which are measured by satellites, were even higher, especially further inland than most of the, the bigger cities. Here's Gizmodo. But it's when you get east of the mountains where the air and ground temperatures truly heat up. That region is cut off from the Pacific Ocean that acts as a moderating influence on air temperatures. Lytton, a small town in the interior of British Columbia, set an all-time Canadian heat record on Monday, breaking the record it set on Sunday. But the smaller city of Kamloops, located about 62 miles, 100 kilometers, to the northeast, saw ground temperatures that were even hotter. Again, the town of roughly 90,000 is much more populated than Lytton, and that extra concrete helped ensure ground temperatures were higher. The Sentinel-3 data shows that it reached 133 degrees Fahrenheit, 56 degrees Celsius there. In the interior part of Washington, a similar pattern played out with even more extreme ground temperatures. A large swath of the state saw them reach 131 degrees Fahrenheit, 55 degrees Celsius, or higher, including the aforementioned 145 degree Fahrenheit reading in Wenatchee. Which is, like, people have done, like, the frying an egg thing. You could yeah. cook a steak yeah. in this weather. Yeah, you really could. Yeah. 
Too, a delicious too, thing. Too, too complete. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the, uh, obviously, this is terrible for human beings and animals. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna have to live through this hell, might as well wake up in the morning. Put your, or before you go to bed, just put your your cast iron out in the driveway. Get dinner ready. And uh, you know when you wake up the next the next day around lunch or dinner, you just toss a steak on there. That shit'll be ready. Yeah. In like an hour or so. There you go. This is a nice slow cook. Now, a few years ago, we, of course, went on a press junket trip to Abu Dhabi, which was easily the hottest place that either of us have ever been. It was insane. It got up to around 120 degrees Fahrenheit or 49 degrees Celsius, and it was absolutely miserable to be outside. We had uh, the whole crew we were with ended up getting uh, heat headaches on one of the days where they had us outside doing stuff. Yeah, for like not that long, too. Miserable. Vomits, headaches. They brought in these emergency, like, mobile cooling stations that I've never fucking seen. Like, I think they like only... Like, swamp coolers for, for warehouses. Yeah, like the size of, like, an industrial fridge. They, like, wheel yeah. these things out. <laughs> it was insane. But luckily, Abu Dhabi is designed for the heat. And it's very easy to escape it by simply going indoors. We remarked the day we got there, this has got to be air conditioning technology, the likes of which no one has ever seen. Yeah. Because it was insane how well it was Every time I would step outside of the hotel, my glasses would immediately fog up just from, like, the moisture on my skin from being in an air-conditioned environment. The worst experience, it was a lot of fun, but the worst experience was riding that damn roller coaster, which goes, like, 120 miles an hour... But in 120 degree weather, it was it was like being inside of an air fryer. <laughs> it was you're being convection cooked on that roller yes. coaster. But look, like we said, Abu Dhabi built for it. You go into yeah, Las Vegas. Like there's cities that are, Phoenix too. They're built for. They're it. built for the heat. They're built different. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of the places experiencing this week's heat dome are designed for this kind of heat. Most homes in the Pacific Northwest don't even have air conditioning. The few air conditioners available, they sold out immediately, yeah. of course. And people with enough money to spend just started booking hotel rooms to live out of for the week, which is smart if you've got I, the money and don't want to die. Yeah, I, I, I would probably do that. Uh, it was the best week for the Pacific Northwest hotel industry since COVID started. Absolutely. Yeah, small victory there. America's back. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, in addition to homes not being built for this kind of weather, uh, the same goes for basic infrastructure. The heat literally caused road damage across the Pacific Northwest and uh, this kind of extreme heat. It's also really bad for stuff like power lines. For example, Portland had to suspend its streetcar train service because the cables powering it were melting. And uh, even if you were lucky enough to get your hands on an air conditioner, uh uh-oh, you guessed it, there were dozens of power outages across the region for the same reasons that Portland's streetcars shut down. None of this shit is fucking built for any of this kind of heat. You know what the problem is? Joe Biden and his heat gun trying to prove everyone that we need that infrastructure bill. Yeah. How low can you go, Joe? <laughs> he turned his heat ray on me and my family. And they are. And it's, it's so funny. I mean, just by coincidence, they're debating that fucking infrastructure bill. And like, yeah, while Republicans the, are so they're still just like completely opposed to anything that even acknowledges the need to prepare for worsening climate. Yeah, but that's... The, it's just another one of those constantly reoccurring examples of the very bill that they're debating has horrific consequences that are happening right in front of yeah, everyone's faces. Yeah, it's the juxtaposition. It's like when they're talk when they talk about any regulations with guns while shootings are happening. Yeah, and they're like now's not the time to talk about it. It's like no, we were talking about it literally the day before it's the shooting literally and your, the day your after. Job to talk about it. Yeah, the the infrastructure in this country is within the next. 
I mean, I that's fucking, 50 years, but like within the next decade or two, oh, we're, we're going to have some serious... Look what happened the, in Miami. Yeah, the Miami thing, like that's... I mean, that's a slightly different issue than our... It's a private you know, company, but had plenty but it, of... Uh, of uh, telltale signs and actual reporting from the county and yeah, state. There was, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if any laws were actually broken, but there was definitely negligence on the part of like local inspectors that absolutely should have inspected that building at some point in the last five years because there was, there was many reasons to, uh, there were indications all over the building that this thing is fucked. It's going to fall down. But like, and the same they, is true for like bridges. Like that's what I was just gonna say. They're finding cracks and shit in like major bridges and they're like yeah we should probably do something about this but we don't have any money and bridges uh, are hard yeah like it's going to get really 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 bad we have we've already done the the pandemic we've uh, we've had a bunch of other terrible shit in this country happen the infrastructure is next and climate change is only pushing that even faster forward yeah but the fact that surface temperatures are even hotter than air temperatures that also means that uh, even making brief skin contact with the ground or anything else that absorbs heat can put you in the hospital for serious burns yeah playing some i don't know kicking a ball in the street oh you have tripped and fell over my knees are burned my yeah. hands are burned. Uh, apparently it's a big problem with old people well, they're yeah. harder to get they've fallen they, and they, they fall can't get on up. the ground and it's harder to get up so they're down there for like 10 20 seconds and like just their skin's just melted. That's why they got that button, life alert. I can't yeah. get up and I'm melting. Yeah, I'm melting. Uh, there's been multiple mul- uh, multiple reports of that happening, but also this heat is it is just straight up killing people because of course it is. In Canada alone, there's already been hundreds of deaths due to the heat. And once things are tallied up down here, it'll likely be just as bad, if not worse. Yeah. Now, this shit is no joke. And summer just began a little over a week ago. Hot planet summer. And as we know, at least in Los Angeles, we know from living here, uh, summer extends from the months of June all the way to the end of November. Yeah. Someday it'll extend year-round. Non-stop summer, baby. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so look, this shit is, it's no joke. And look, we're just a, a meager internet show, but I feel like someone should be doing something about this. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be... It's a bad summer. There's an infrastructure plan literally going through right now that is being blocked at every turn. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's worth pointing out that while the worst of this past week's heat was in the Pacific Northwest, it has been abnormally hot in several other parts of the country. Uh, heat records have been broken in Utah, Montana, Wyoming, and other places. The East Coast is experiencing a slightly milder but still pretty terrible heat wave right now due to the Pacific heat dome. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know the exact way that it works. You've got like one cool area sort of in the Midwest where, yeah, and and also down here. But <laughs> other than that, like everyone it's been is hot here. It's, I mean, it's this is normal. It's been yeah. very normal here. Like we've been in the kind of bizarre position, and especially like my neighborhood's been actually pleasant. Some nice <laughs> breeze. Uh, so SoCal is usually pretty hot, but right now we're kind of one of the coolest places. In the entire country, and I'm not just talking about the movie stars and the women. Uh, it's been, I mean, if you're going to be anywhere right now, right yeah, here like, is probably one of the best places to be this week. I went to San Diego a week and a half, two weeks ago. It was like 65 during the day. Lovely. Lovely. But California is still absolutely screwed for the next few months. Oh, we're just getting started, folks. Yeah, I'm not going to gloat about anything. No. It's going to get real fucking bad. Yes. Uh, the past several summers in California have been literal hell on earth due to wildfires. Uh, and, and this summer will be no exception. 
possibly worse than even before. We've mm-hmm. already had a few. We had we had one starting in May of this year. Uh, we're uh, right in the middle of what's being called a mega drought. Uh, we explained that the water already tastes like ass, so mm-hmm. that was the first indication. Uh, this year is on track to be the third driest year on record for California. This kind of drought makes California into a tinderbox that just needs a little spark to go completely up in... one gender reveal to set off the entire As we state. learned last year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's only really a matter of when, uh, when the state's going to catch on fire because it's going to happen. And it is... There's already things happening, like fires are popping up. Uh, luckily, we haven't had to deal with the uh, the winds as bad recently, which is obviously just throws all yeah. the, the embers and fire everywhere, which is even worse. Yeah, if we get if we get some Santa Ana winds, which are uh, winds that blow from the east to the west, I think we're done with those for now. But later in the year, we get them. Well, those are those are real bad. For the Anyways, fire, uh, they're very dry. A, 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 a breeze could make things a lot worse. Yeah. Right now, we're just kind of stagnant. A sneeze. Yeah. And it's not just fire that we have to worry about. Uh, drought, mega drought, means that the water levels are very low. An example of how dire the situation has gotten is that the California Department of Fish and Wildlife is loading millions of salmon into climate-controlled tanker trucks to carry them from their hatching locations to the coast because the streams are so dry that it would be impossible for the fish to migrate on their own. Get a bigger cannon. We fixed the glitch. We uh, given these these fish a little ride. Yeah, we need a bigger cannon. <laughs> a cannon that shoots them a hundred miles. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, yeah, technology. That's what America would rather do than fix any kind of like crumbling bridge. Is they're like, yeah, but we could build a, a salmon cannon. Solve this for me in gun terms. <laughs> All right. Yes. What if we built a gun yeah. that shoots the? Fish? What you got to do is you got to convince the Republicans in charge that they can be the ones uh, to demolish the old bridge. They get yeah. they get to sit in the big truck and, and pull the levers. I mean, they it's love not it. a bad idea. Yeah. If we just give all of them like the like make, the plunger, make a whole FPS Russia sort of thing about them. Uh, like Ted Cruz being like, I'm Ted Cruz and this is jackass and he gets to blow up a bridge. Okay, Ted Cruz can blow up one uh, windmill in Texas. Yeah. But they get to put up like 100 more. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, up in NorCal at the uh, the Oroville Dam is expected to have to just shut down completely for the first time ever due to the water level being so low. Uh, that's a hydroelectric dam so that's going to just add even more strain to an already strained power grid in the middle of summer. And it's also presumably pretty bad for any wildlife that yeah. needs to get through it. Speaking of outside the state too, have you ever, have you been to the uh, Hoover Dam recently? It's bad. Yeah, I looked at it and I was like, oh God, that ain't good. Because you can literally see like the level of it's, where it used to it's be. It's real bad. Now, on top of all this, drought is of course terrible for farming. And lots of California farmers are reportedly giving up on farming water-hungry crops like almonds and switching to crops that have a, a chance at survival. And it's important to note that the effect of this drought on farming doesn't just affect California. It affects the entire country because California produces over a third of the country's vegetables and two thirds of the country's fruits and nuts. Yeah, it's uh, kind of a single point of failure. Florida still the biggest bad design. Florida still the biggest exporter of nuts. We Got him. We can still have fun, right? Even though the world's ending. But yeah, like Ricky mentioned, uh, further east. Another example of how bad things could get this summer is that Lake Mead, which provides drinking water to Arizona and Nevada, is expected to drop to its lowest level in its entire 85-year history, uh, which is bad enough as the main water source for the driest part of the country, a part of the country that really logically shouldn't even exist. Uh, It's also what powers the Hoover Dam. It's the water that goes over the dam, which provides electricity to 8 million people. So that's, uh, that's another 
big problem for, uh, you know, you need water, and the the we've all the seen Mad Max. Water go, yeah. <laughs> we need you need water. Yes, Mad Max was a documentary sent back from the future, At, looking like it. So none of this is isolated. Just as the winters keep getting colder and more dangerous and affecting places like Texas, where crippling winter storms would be usually unthinkable, uh, we're seeing summer temperatures in parts of the world that are just mind-blowing. It doesn't make sense. Uh, recently, satellites recorded ground temperatures of 118 degrees Fahrenheit, 48 degrees Celsius in Siberia. Literally, the Arctic Circle. Yeah, this is fucked up. I don't like that one bit. None of this is normal. It's so utterly insane that half the people in power in this country and lots of other places in the world won't even acknowledge that there's a problem. Like, that's what drives me insane. And the other half, the ones who do understand that there's a problem, uh, they're way too obsessed with the idea of, like, incremental market-based solutions when the situation seems to call for much more urgent and immediate action. Um, Yeah, it's it's all just very frustrating. Uh, So... There you go. We're welcome to the summer. It is hot planet summer, and it's going to be a long one. It's going to be folks. cold planet winter. Yeah, and uh, yeah, very long cold winter, and rinse and repeat, and so on, and so on, uh, and yeah, it, it just fucking sucks to realize that this is simply how things are going to be. Another like perfect example that we were given, handed on a platter because of the pandemic, was all right. Well, the argument of well. You know, humans don't really have that much of an effect on the environment. The entire world shut down to various degrees for about a month. Yeah, you got a nice case study in like the... The world literally looked like it had taken a big sigh of relief and things had returned to normal in certain parts. And that was just the like immediate surface level aspect. The water's cleaner here. Carbon pollution. It's like, yeah, I'm sure like, yeah, that, that those couple of weeks and months of the pandemic were probably very valuable for research for climate scientists. We should do, like, every year, just a month. Ricky, you're crazy. Do a month where everyone just says, shut the fuck up and stay inside. Let the earth heal every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea of that. It'll never catch on, at least not in this country. I feel like it would catch on in, like, Denmark or something. I feel like they'd be into it. The problem is you'd be like, yeah, it's a month of vacation. So people would just hit the road in their fucking cars and then their boats and all this other shit and just be like, you're not helping. The, yeah. the key is to not do anything that produces... Well, you, you tell Americans not to do something. They do it twice as much. Yeah. So you'd be like, no, you have to stay outside of your home yeah. for a month. You can't go home. And then they'll all go inside. You, you tell people not to drive their cars, and they'll just be like, I'm going to go outside and just turn my car on and go back inside and just go about my day. Just oh. leave it on out there. Oh, what's that you say? Well, I'll invent coal rolling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyways, we've got more news coming up. But before that, this episode is sponsored by Caviar. We've all been there. It's late. You've worked all day. You have no energy to cook. All you want is that perfect burger from the local grill or the homemade pasta dish from your local Italian place. Let Caviar take it from there. Caviar is the food delivery app for people that are into good food. They bring the best local restaurants directly to your doorstep. Other apps might have national chains, but Caviar, they keep it local. Those hidden gems in your neighborhood, they're on Caviar. Caviar curates local options for every taste, whether it's the perfect Reuben from the sandwich shop or the best Indian vegan curry, you always have options for whatever you want. Not sure what you want to eat? Let Caviar's staff picks recommend the best spots in your neighborhood to find your new favorite. And just for our viewers, Caviar is offering $10 off an order of $20 or more. All you got to do is put in the offer code TECHNEWSDAY, all one word, at checkout. That is $10 off a purchase of $20 or more with offer code TECHNEWSDAY. Download the Caviar app and use offer code TECHNEWSDAY. This episode is also sponsored by Manscaped. Whether you've got a dad bod or a six-pack, 
Get ready to unveil that beach bod because Manscaped has just launched their fourth generation performance package. And that includes the Lawnmower 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer with 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag to hold your goodies. The Lawnmower 4.0 is truly the GOAT of trimmers and features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It's got a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch with a travel lock, and a 4,000K LED spotlight for when you need a more precise shape. It's also waterproof. Yeah. Uh, to take your grooming game even further to the next level, the performance package also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. It's also waterproof. That's also waterproof, yeah. And it, it, it uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360-degree uh, rotary dual-blade system. Uh, and Manscaped's proprietary skin-safe technology prevents nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. Uh, to seal the deal with Manscaped's liquid formulations, before heading out, use Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant to keep your game up in the heat. And after trimming, use Crop Reviver to give your beach balls a boost. On top of all that, they threw in two free gifts, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to another level. Get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. That's 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. Escape the shrubs and weeds this summer and shine with Manscaped. All right, uh, moving on now to some other news that's also horrifying, but to a slightly lesser extent. Nowadays, most of our personal records and memories are stored digitally, either locally or in the cloud. The cloud is preferable in a lot of ways because your files are a lot safer stored in some data center with presumably multiple layers of redundancy than they would be on a local device that can get fried or lost in any number of ways. But cloud storage can also be expensive or downright impractical depending on your needs. If you've got an especially large amount of data, storing it locally might be your only option. Luckily, hard drives these days are a lot more reliable and inexpensive than they were even just a decade ago. Yeah, when I was in film school, hard drives crashing and uh, it was it was a serious ongoing concern. It was you you had to be paranoid. Things could go wrong and you'd be fucked. And but footage now, that you can't reshoot in a lot of uh, yes. Yeah. 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 We had a, I worked at an interview music interview place and you would just straight up like lose an interview with like Perry Farrell. Mhm. Just oops. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to go back to Lollapalooza and shoot that again. And yeah, when things go wrong, even even if things are better today, when they go wrong, they can go very 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 wrong and something did in fact go very very wrong with Western Digital's MyBook Live line of storage devices last week. So the, the MyBook Live is a line of external hard drives which connect to the user's local network, allowing all the computers in the house or the office to store and access files in one place. Uh, it's basically personal cloud storage. It's the best of both worlds. Sure. Unless, of course, hackers figure out a way to remotely erase everyone's drives, which is exactly what happened last week. Um, so this seems to have begun around June 23rd, when one user wrote the following in Western Digital's community forum. Help! All data in MyBook Live gone and owner password unknown. I have a WD MyBook Live connected to my home LAN and worked fine for years. I have just found that somehow all the data on it is gone today, while the directory seemed there but empty. Previously, the two terabyte volume was almost full, but now it shows full capacity. 
The even strange thing is when I try to log into the control UI for diagnosis, I was only able to get to this landing page with an input box for owner password. I have tried the default password admin and also what I could set for it with no luck. There seems to be no change to retrieve or reset password on this landing page either. Could anyone help to find what was going on to this drive? I am stuck at empty data on it now. Thanks in Dadvance. The, the mistakes were theirs. He's, uh, I think Dad Vance might have been on purpose. He's still got a sense of humor after losing all I don't even know how to program the remote. I'm all thumbs. Could someone tell me how to fix this my book? But yeah, this was not an isolated incident. That thread is full of replies. Uh, just filled to the brim with people confirming that they were also experiencing the same thing. Just years and years of backups. Gone. An absolute nightmare for anyone who has ever had to store large amounts of important data. Uh, maybe you got projects, Photoshop, your video entire projects, family, music projects, all your family photos, you know, important like family, kids, school stuff, yeah. uh, tax documents, uh, home information for the parents, like what backups of like your wedding certificate, all, like anything you can think of. Gone. So, yeah, uh, horrifying. Not long after that post, Western Digital, they confirmed what was happening. Oops. Uh, from Gizmodo, Western Digital's popular MyBook Live hard drives are being deleted remotely by an unknown attacker, according to the company. And there's not much anyone can do at this point but unplug their drives from the internet. Quote, we have determined that some MyBook Live devices have been compromised by a threat actor, Western Digital's Jolin Tan told Gizmodo early Friday by email. In some cases, this compromise has led to a factory reset that appears to erase all data on the device. Whoops. But Western Digital assures users that the company's cloud system hasn't been compromised, though the incident is still under active investigation. Quote, the MyBook Live device received its final firmware update in 2015, Tan continued. At this time, we are recommending that customers disconnect their MyBook Live devices from the internet to protect their data on the device. Okay. Well, well what are you doing connecting your internet drive to the internet? Stupid, There's your problem. You dumb idiots. As we said, this was the work of hackers. But the way hackers manage to do things like this is, of course, always due to vulnerabilities in their target. And it would appear that these hackers exploited not one, but two vulnerabilities in the MyBook platform. One of these vulnerabilities was apparently an exploit that has uh, been a known issue since 2018, which allowed root access of the device. But they also reportedly exploited another vulnerability dating all the way back to 2011, which doesn't grant attackers full, full control, but still allows them to remotely wipe devices. This is unusual. Why use two different methods of attack? But the uh, prevailing theory, according to security firm Census, is that this was actually two distinct groups of hackers. Uh, census detailed analysis of the hacks is almost entirely complete gibberish to us, but Gizmodo, they did a decent job of summarizing. Researchers with security firm Census have since offered a possible explanation. One cyber criminal group was likely attempting to wrangle control of the devices away from another group. Census claims the evidence suggests that one hacking campaign mass exploited the devices in an effort to make them join a botnet, a large interconnected web of compromised devices that can be used to steal data or engage in other nefarious activities. However, a different group may have subsequently interjected itself in an effort to wrest control of the botnet away from the first group, researchers write. It could be an attempt at a rival botnet operator to take over these devices or render them useless. It is likely that the username and password are reset to their default of admin admin, allowing another attacker to take control, or someone who wanted to otherwise disrupt the botnet, which has likely been around for some time since these issues have existed since 2015. Census researchers, right? Jesus Christ. In the meantime, Western Digital has said that the company will provide free data recovery services to customers starting next month, which for a lot of users is probably too long of a wait. Also... 
the uncertainty is another thing. Like, yeah. We'll see what we can do, I guess. Just, uh, yeah, for now, it's just quantum data. It could be there. Might not be. Schrodinger's data. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, if you've ever done data recovery on a malfunctioning drive, the results, they're not always perfect. And in a lot no. of cases, it's... Useless. You can't get anything yeah, back. It's garbage. Yeah. And even if you manage to recover most of your files, it's still often just a giant unorganized mess. Yeah, the few times I've done it, maybe it's gotten better since then. But uh, when I had to do it a few times back in the day, when I had like video projects and shit, when it works out, you get your files, but their names are just a bunch of code. Yeah. There's no file structure. There's no. So if you have like thousands and thousands of files, you basically have to go one by one through them. To see what they are. And rename them and yeah. reorganize them. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, you are not out of the clear even if you successfully do data recovery. So hopefully people are able to get their files back, especially the important photos and videos and documents that might not be stored anywhere else. This is the digital equivalent of having a storage locker burned down. And it's a very harsh lesson about how easy it is to lose all of your stuff unless you go out of your way to back things up in multiple places. Yeah, I mean... Paper copy always king. Yeah, some some things you can't back up with paper. I mean, obviously, yeah, your documents, you should have paper copies, but like... And if you live in California, a fire safe, even a small one. Yeah, I need to get one of those. I don't I don't even have a fucking earthquake kit. I'm so fucked if anything goes I wrong. got an earthquake. <laughs> I, I, I ended up buying a better one, uh, but I do have an earthquake kit that was given to us uh, when we covered that rock movie. Oh, yeah, I think San I still Andreas. have that. It has uh, like a, a a silver blanket, yeah. and some uh, and like a water filter. Yeah, it's yeah, it's got uh, yeah, it's it's got like a it's mostly like camping tools, but yeah, it's got some useful stuff in there. I have a I, I ended up buying because I'm neurotic a gigantic like bright red Red Cross earthquake yeah. bag that has just you can live for two weeks out of this bag. Yeah, I got I got a couple jugs of water that I probably need to replace at this point. My home fire extinguisher almost certainly expired. Oh. You just remind me. I need to replace mine. Yeah, I need to do replace your uh, kitchen fire extinguishers. Yeah, I really need to. Do and that. if you don't have one, you should always have a fire extinguisher in your kitchen. Yeah, especially if you're cooking with oil. Yeah, or because you don't want to put water on that fire. No, God fire. no, God no. Anyways, let's close out today's show with some news that's less of a downer, some actual exciting news. Although it is about a planet that we may have to escape to. If things keep going as bad as they are here, and not, not when we. I when I say we, I mean not us specifically. The I'm talking about like a small handful of billionaires that will simply abandon us when things get too hot. Here. Everyone that was touching that globe in the picture with Trump, yeah, and and Jeff Bezos, and you thought Elon that was Musk. Earth. You thought that globe was Earth. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's Mars. the new home planet. But anyways, for now, the stuff happening over on Mars continues to be extremely cool. Uh, when NASA's Perseverance rover first landed on Mars, its main mission was to act as a hub for the Ingenuity helicopter to just run some tests on how flight would even work on Mars. And as we've seen, it's worked better than NASA could have even predicted. Ingenuity was supposedly uh, just there to, you know, it's just a test, whatever. Can it even be done? It was never intended to last longer than a few short test flights. But now that Perseverance is on the move, Ingenuity continues well beyond the original scope of its mission. This seems to happen with everything they send up there. It ends up working out way longer than they thought of. They're doing great. From Space.com, the future of aerial Mars exploration looks bright. NASA's Mars helicopter Ingenuity, which landed inside Mars's Jezero crater with the agency's Perseverance rover in February, has now completed eight Red Planet flights. That's three more than the maximum targeted for the four-pound, 1.8-kilogram chopper's original technology demonstration mission. And Ingenuity isn't done yet. 
The little rotorcraft's current extended mission activities, which center on showcasing the potential of Mars helicopters to serve as scouts for rovers, will, quote, continue for at least a few more months with a cadence of a couple of flights a month. Perseverance project scientist Ken Farley, a geochemist at the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, said last Monday during a webcast meeting of NASA's Mars Exploration Program Analysis Group. Yeah, what's especially cool is that uh, Ingenuity can now be used to aerially scout the areas that Perseverance is traveling to and help increase the efficiency of Perseverance's mission, despite that never having been a part of the plan. Though they got a helper that wasn't even supposed to be there. There you go. And uh, the success of Ingenuity, it also means that when NASA eventually sends a helicopter to Mars that's actually meant for long-term use, it will be years ahead of where they expect it to be on this kind of technology. Uh, so much of science involves making predictions and then just like falling short of them. So it's very exciting when the opposite ends up being true. We're actually farther along than we thought we would be. I love when stuff like this happens because you just... You temper expectations, and yeah. then you blow past them. It's the same thing that happened with uh, a lot of the vaccine companies. We're like, look, we don't know how many of these we can produce. We're going to say we can do this many yeah. by this date. 2022. And it's like they doubled or tripled that. Yeah. Um, so I always like being pleasantly surprised. Always under-promise and over-deliver. Yes. Meanwhile, China, China also recently landed a rover on Mars, and they're definitely competing with NASA to release stunning glimpses of the red planet that are like nothing anyone's ever seen before. Uh, the rover, named Zurong, has a much more limited mission that's planned to last just three months, but it's already spawned some very cool photos and videos. Now, here's some shots of the rover parachuting down onto Mars. Very cool. Also, uh, very cool is that Zurong brought along a wireless camera to place on the ground and take selfies. Cool. Uh, here's the video showing Zhurong in motion. Uh, and there's this one at a lower frame rate showing a full body shot of Zhurong. Mm, uh, 360. There's a lot of, lot of like, vlog shit going on with this guy. Yeah, like, and they, they're saying, a lot of scientists, like, China did not need to do this, but they, this is totally for PR, which absolutely makes sense. It's like placing the, the American flag on the moon. Like, there's no reason to do yeah. it. Uh, it's also, I mean, it, it, it breeds competition, which, yeah. it, if the end goal is more science exploration and tech technology development, then great. The space race was the only good thing about the Cold War. Yes. And like the only like genuinely good thing about it. Like once the Cold War ended, our our NASA, they're like, all right, well, we're not competing with anyone anymore. So we're going we're gonna to take some of that budget money and just spend it on like new Humvees. Sorry. Yeah. And like NASA did with Perseverance, Zhurong has a microphone and they've sent back this audio from Mars, which is mostly just muffled sounds of Zhurong rolling down its exit ramp onto Martian soil. But here you go. Wow. Still, very cool. That's I one like, of only like two sound files from Mars. I like cool new tech. <laughs> it's been, we kind of plateaued uh, in the late 2010s. How smart can your fridge get? How small can your phone get? Yeah. We've kind of like, you know, we've solved all of the, the, the issues with, uh, you know, technology that helps out humans. Um, and it's nice to see some more stuff going on in space. Yeah. They're, and these rovers, they say they'll never meet. They're like, they're about a thousand miles apart. So it's like just far enough where they'll never, they'll never cross paths. But I, I do think it would be funny if they were to kiss. And it would be possibly even funnier, but also enraging if China sent their rover to sabotage ours. 
Like it's it's rolling down <laughs> it's rolling down uh, this place on Mars. It just goes over and knocks it off. Our rover stands in front of it, <laughs> and it just rolls right over it. The next the next world war will be fought with very slow robots. Battle bots. On Battle bots <laughs> on Mars. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, cool things are happening on that planet. This planet, no. Yeah, it's kind of so we're kind of fucked here. Um, yeah. If everyone just goes outside and blows really hard, blow the heat dome away. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of Tech News Day. Uh, in other tech news, our, our most recent video before this uh, had a, a amazing new invention from the field of weight loss science. You're not going to believe uh, what they've done to stop you from eating as much food. Also, Mary de Blasio looked at some boobs. <laughs> Check out that video and uh, our weekly weird episode about how birds aren't real, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>